0: what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh.
1: Footcandle Films. Film news and reviews from two guys who really like movies. This episode is brought to you by the Footcandle Film Society. For a schedule of upcoming screenings and membership information, visit the Society's website at www.footcandle.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Foot Candle Films here on the TV. My name is Alan Jackson. I am co-director and co-founder of the Foot Candle Film Society and our annual Foot Candle Film Festival. Cross the table, socially distanced from me, is Mr. Chris Fry, also co-director, co-founder. How are you doing, Chris?
0: I am doing great. I am excited because this gave me an excuse to leave the house um, cause I am quarantining at home just to try to be safe and we're socially distanced, but I got to actually leave the house and see another human being that I don't normally see. I was going to say places.
1: you are the only other human being I have seen in person today. So that I'm, is not over great. a zoom window. So this is <laughs> sure. a, this is nice. This is good. Well, what better occasion to get together than like we always do is to talk about movies. So during today's show for candle films, we're going to be reviewing two brand new films that are out and available for you to see. Uh, The first up will be Malcolm and Marie, uh, an exclusive to Netflix, starring John David Washington and Zendaya. And then we'll be also exploring a new documentary about Frank Zappa, aptly called Zappa, directed by Mr. Alex Winter. We'll be discussing both of those films. Then afterwards, we're going to have some movie news items we're going to get into and share about some uh, interesting projects coming down the pipeline or ones that we're curious about or want to share some information about. And then uh, we also have a couple trailers we'll be uh, playing clips from and talking about new upcoming films. And then we'll end up the show like we always do with our recommendation of the episode. That is where Chris and I both individually come up with a film that we'd like to recommend to you, the audience listener, as something you may want to check out, or if you have a chance to uh, watch, that is available for streaming uh, from the convenience of your own home. So Chris, we got a lot to cover. Why don't we just go ahead and hop right into it with our first review. Uh, our first review, as I mentioned, is the film Malcolm and Marie.
0: Oh, he's so sensitive. He's romantic. I bet he's sweet, right? Ah! Ah! Hey! Ah! Hey! Well, I mean, yeah. When he's not being an emotional fucking terrorist. Oh.
1: <laughs> I love the way you see the
0: world, <laughs> Marie. Alan, you've recommended Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? a film by Mike Nichols, based on a play by Edward Albee, stars Elizabeth Taylor, Richard Burton, as a couple who have a late-night fight. Uh, Malcolm and Marie, starring John David Washington and Zendaya, centers around a couple returning home after a movie premiere, and they have a fight, an epic fight. Um, they were both. Their films are both in black and white. Um, how would you compare the two as a jumping-off point of thinking about how you enjoyed each of them. We know you enjoyed Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. You recommended mm-hmm. it. So I did. Uh, what are your thoughts on comparisons? Um,
1: I think it's an interesting comparison. You know, this film is it's all told. I don't think, it, I don't know if it's quite real time, but it's pretty darn close to real mm-hmm. time. An hour, 45 minutes or so. I think at one point they refer to the fact that it's like two in the morning. Mm-hmm. So I assume it's fairly close to real time happening after, like you said, they come back from a film premiere. Right. Where, uh, Malcolm, John David Washington, uh, has uh, just uh, directed a new film that just premiered, and they're kind of basking in the glow of its success while, as you mentioned, stumbling into some of their own relationship issues throughout the uh, the film. Um, how does it compare? Well, it's, it's no Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. Okay. Um, that film had a lot more going on. And I think just a lot more – I think there's some – little greater sense of – I don't want to say creativity. It was a little more sense of um, – it was a little more dynamic going on with this. Uh,
0: there were two couples, uh, right? There were the
1: two couples, okay. and I think that also added more to a set – a lot more tension. It added to a lot more uh, of getting to see people both who they were for, around each other and how they were in front of guests.
0: Got you. It
1: made for a different dynamic. Got you. This film is truly – I mean – John David Washington and Zendaya. That's it. That's the only two people in the whole film.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We don't hear, or see anyone else the whole the whole running time. Um, that said, I think this film is interesting. Um, it's not perfect. There are definitely some flaws with it. I can I can talk about things that did not work for me. But I think in the exploration of a couple that is not quite on that solid ground yet that they may get to in the future. Because
0: they are not married. They're just
1: not married. And I tried to get a sense of just exactly how long they'd been together at Mm. this point. But still in that phase where they're still learning a little bit more about each other and they are, are maybe not able to be as completely open with each other from the onset. Um, but I will tell you acting wise, I thought the performances in this film were really strong and it made, it made me stay involved in the film. If the performances had not been really, really good, this is a film that would have lost me pretty early on. And I think it's probably going to lose a lot of people early on, no matter what it is a bit repetitive. It is circular in some of its discussions. Just when you think something has settled down, something else stuff fires back up you may agree with one side of the equation for part of the film and agree with the other part, which I think is a good sign of storytelling. You can make both sides have some, equality in the viewer's
0: minds. So so in that so, so in that sense you're kind of saying it's like Marriage Story from last year where you had Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson which was a couple. They were going through a divorce, but yeah. you had arguments and you kind of went back and forth between the two of those characters kind of siding with
1: them. You're right. It is very similar to that. And that by the end of the film I don't think you know the, the goal was not to make you side with one or the other. Sure. It's to help you see both sides. Um it it's it's very it's a very pedestrian two people having long conversations and arguments and fights for over an hour and a half. There's enough visual flourishes with the film and the use of music, some great music, by the way, I love the use of music in the film. Um, and shot in black and white, you know, I think it, it did enough to keep its visual interest with me. But really the only reason I'm watching this is to see John David Washington and Zendaya. Um, I'll say this, and this is not definitely not a male female thing. I, I think John David Washington was much stronger. I liked his performance a lot better, but I was impressed with Zendaya because she's someone I've not really seen in anything that really stood out to me, and she definitely stepped up her game for this this movie. But I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna fuse on John David Washington a little bit later some more. But let me turn it back over to you and see kind of your thoughts on this. I will admit, halfway through the film, I'm thinking to myself. I don't know if Chris Fry is going to be along for the ride for this whole film. So I'm curious to hear if I'm right or not.
0: I, you know, it's interesting. You said the thing about Zendaya. I don't watch the show Euphoria, which uh, this film was written and directed by the same gentleman who writes and directs Euphoria, or at least some of the episodes. Mm -hmm. I guess since that's a series, I don't think he (coughs) was really the showrunner,
1: the creator. I think he directed some of the episodes, not all of them. But it's basically his show. Gotcha. He wrote and directed this film as sure. well.
0: Mm-hmm. So, I'm um, not really familiar with her work on that, but I do know her. I just know her as the lady from the Spider Man films. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, I was really impressed with her because I got to see some of the, you know, kind of the cute girlfriend stuff that she kind of does in Spider Man, but then got to see a whole lot more. So, I really thought she did actually hold equal ground okay. with John David Washington. And, John David Washington. Just familiar with him, Black Klansman and Tenet, which, as we've talked about on the show, wasn't that high on Tenet. not his fault. But um, this again reminds me, yeah, he's really powerful when he has something to work with. Um, I will say, uh, you mentioned, you know, I was on board for both of the acting. Some things are kind of repetitive, and I think that's where some of it, some of the movie, did wear a little thin for me. Is Mm You know, it they're having an argument. And so, you know, you argue, then you cool down for a little bit, and then you argue again, and because they need to make them film, you know, ninety minutes or whatever, it does kind of go round and round and round. However, unfortunately, when I think about real life experience and arguments <laughs> I've had pretty, with my spouse, yes, some things like that, you know, you cool mm-hmm. down, but in that cooling down time you may be thinking about something yeah. that somebody said and come back and be like, Hey, wait a second. So I don't know, and I thought the actual dialogue that mm-hmm. was used in those scenes was really good and well written. Especially, and of course, it's you know insider baseball for people who like movies. Yeah. But they, since he's a filmmaker and she's an actress, they do talk a lot about the process of making movies and movie criticism. I don't know how I would feel if I wrote for the LA Times, um, but yeah. And I've heard a lot of feet push back online from a lot of critics who kind of take issue with the fact of how they're like slamming movie criticism but I mean I feel like But you know, I mean that's you
1: know, I personally loved the topics that were the drivers for their conversation hmm. it's actually some topics I don't feel like I've really seen explored in a film very, very much before so some of the kind of the things that initiate these uh, arguments and discussions they have throughout the film he's a film director she is a actress or at least a former actress I think she's more model now right. you know not doing as much acting but right. um It's partly the fact that she um, – over the course of the film, there is some discussion about her role and how much she inspired his work. Right. And I think the initial conversation started because he didn't thank her. Yes. While accepting some award or some recognition for the film. And, you know, that sounds like a pretty minor point, but it explodes into a much deeper issue. You learn further on there's a lot more to where Zendaya is coming from, her character Marie – Um, You learned a lot more about their background, which I thought was also really interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was done gracefully. It wasn't done like just a super uh, exposition setup. It was done, I thought, very naturally in the course of a conversation. Um, So I loved over all the topics, him responding to reviews, a positive review, but him still taking issue with the way it was portrayed to him and her taking issue with how he's receiving this fame and glory and her role in the whole thing as his partner I have some interesting topics. I mean, sure. I loved the topics of their discussion. Right. I thought they were really uh, unique and something I hadn't heard, I don't think, portrayed as well in a film in a while.
0: I, I liked the cinematography. I mean, we mentioned the fact that the film was shot in black and white, but they also did a lot of um, like panning left to right when John David Washington would walk away from her in this house and then come back. They would kind of follow him through the windows and then come back. And then the fact just shooting through windows and how they would frame things up to the – I I thought that was a lot of it was really visually interesting when it's just two people in this house, you know, it could get to feel pretty locked, (laughs) locked down Mm -hmm. and boring, but they kept it visually interesting. I'll also say to their credit, this was a film that was, I don't know, I guess maybe it was written. It was written and made during the quarantine times. So I know it was actually shot and everything, but it's impressive that they made this during you know the the pandemic so it was pretty impressive that they got it put together and sold and it's
1: well i noticed in the credits they had several people listed as kind of medical consultants gotcha. and medical advisors so i think you know they only had two people on the right. on the cast list so that made it a little easier too i'm sure sure um i i so let's talk a little bit more about the performances because i think again this is a film of performances i i think visually it looks really good and i think it's agreed. engaging to watch agreed and I do like the camera movements, or, uh, especially there's a opening sequence as they first arrive at the house. Uh, Malcolm, John David Washington, doing a dance as he goes through the living room. Yes. And just the way the camera moves and it's timed to the music is really, really well done. That shot got me hooked on the film where I'm like, okay, I'm on board. Let's see where this goes. And uh, I think you're right. I think camera-wise for what the limitations were of what they were shooting in a singular house with just two people talking, they did a lot with it. And it looked really good. Um, performance wise, you mentioned Zendaya and yes, I thought she was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll tell you what though, John David Washington, I don't know. He, he is following me around these last couple of weeks because <laughs> I ended is, up watching. Second, yeah, he did. He's in
0: North Carolina.
1: Yeah, He, wait. I ended up watching black Klansman again the other night. Okay. Last first time I've seen that since I saw it in the movie theater, reminded how good he was in that. Mm-hmm saw Tennant not too long ago, which I was more happy with that than you were. Um, So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely a fan and I liked his performance here. He, he got to play, you know, he he didn't have to play the hero in this film, which I think is good. He's a fault person with faults. And I think those faults are, uh, he portrayed them well. And I think he, his, his monologue when trying when finally just blowing up about the review he received, I think it was a monologue him pacing in and out of the house, yeah wow, that was that was pretty good <laughs> so yeah, it yeah. was really, really good. and then Zendaya had some great moments too. They gave equal time to both performers to really shine on camera and give some great Her, monologues. Um, so audition
0: scene within the movie
1: well, I was gonna mention awesome. that, and that's all I about that it. is a scene. <laughs> Uh I I was I was in the same state as Malcolm's character yes, when watching that. Absolutely. And I felt the same weight at the end of that scene as Malcolm did. So yes, it got me. Yeah. It was very, very good. Mm-hmm. So not, so it sounds
0: like you're a fan of this movie. I am. Um it's interesting. Um there's some things in the movie. Obviously these are two uh black Performers mm-hmm. and it, it's written and directed by a white man. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, commentary as far as what's authentic from what's coming out of their mouths and all that kind of stuff. I can't really speak to cause I'm a white male. Um, but it's interesting. I've heard blowback online that some people felt that some of the stuff was a little stilted and wasn't really feeling very authentic from them, which I, I don't know. I will say um, that I learned after seeing the film that Sam Levinson Uh, he, you know, he's made other films. He, uh, was, was giving a speech one time and thanked people and didn't thank his wife.
1: Ah, okay.
0: Um, so So interesting interesting little seed there. Yeah. Also, he, um, received a critique from, I don't know, it was the LA times, but something like, well, I guess every filmmaker probably receives, you know, battery or something, but was notable. I don't remember which film it was on. Actually, it was, um, (gasps) uh, I've just forgotten the name of it. Um, but it was like one of his previous films and somebody made a critique about it and he just like went off. Yeah. And so it's interesting. So I guess a criticism could be, it was too much Sam Levinson trying to put himself into the movie instead of just letting it truly be from the perspective of John David Washington. But I actually black love that director. So I, I don't know. I actually
1: love that though, because again, not to spoil too much of the film, but there is a whole portion of the film where they're discussing or definitely Malcolm's character explaining where the inspiration for different parts of his movie came mm. from and trying to help explain how okay. it didn't all come from one person. It was a myriad. So to know that the director was kind of weaving in possibly some of his own personal experiences into this totally works. <laughs> it's, it's like totally okay. makes sense so for it's me. A I like meta, that. It's another meta. Mm-hmm. Moment. Okay. Yeah. I, I like the film. I did. I, uh, I did find it, you know, could it have been a little shorter and mm. been just as effective? Probably. So I felt like, I felt like there was maybe one one turn too many, gotcha. you know, to where it's like, okay, they came to a resolution. Now they're, they're they're kind of back on something again. Now there's a resolution. I felt like it was a little too circular. There was one point where I felt like that's the film. That's that should have end. been the end. Mm-hmm. And there was a whole other cycle after that. Although luckily that last cycle also had a great performance by Zendaya, a great monologue as well. So I wouldn't want to lose it, but I just felt like it was just – Just a little too circular, probably could have been 20 minutes shorter, and I think been just as effective without quite feeling that repetitiveness that we got later on in the film. But overall, for the performances, for the look of the film, the style of the film, I I really did like it.
0: I liked it. I will say, you know, runtime, because like you were saying, some of the circular things Mm that came back, it made the circle one too many times, maybe. Um, You mentioned the music. Yeah. That actually was kind of a a negative for me. Really? The very first use of it, and you mentioned Washington doing the little dancing, that was fine. But some other times I felt like it was a little Hmm. heavy-handed. Specifically, Zendaya, they're sitting on the back porch and she plays a song meaningfully towards him. And it just... I don't know. I felt like it was a little too on the nose. Um, well, but maybe that was the whole point. I think she was, was trying to make a point to him. She was the one playing it for but him. Even some of the other things just felt a little too mm. maybe on the nose. So maybe a, a slight, a slight okay. negative there. Mm. All right.
1: I, I, I was concerned going into this film that it was just going to be a talking film for an hour and a half. Mm. And I wasn't as excited about that. I think for me, the use of music, the cinematography, it being in black and white kept kept it kept it moving kept it going for me kept me really engaged and, uh, and there again if we didn't have the performances that we had then it would have been it would have been really tough it mm-hmm. would have been a tough watch I think so reminds me a little bit too remember the film Blue Jay that we reviewed yes. years ago Mark Duplass also and, in uh, black and white also in black and white <laughs> two people different type of relationship with these two um, but also interesting you just kind of follow them through the evening mm-hmm. um, not as much on the fighting side it was more uncovering some past trauma from them but um reminded me a lot of that very singular just with really a couple people you're focused on sure um i think this might be a little better i think this stood out for me a little more um so but i thought the virginia wolf comparison was was an apt one just I do think if you haven't seen that film, that's got a lot. There's just a lot more going on. Well, with that, I know so. for
0: this, you know, this film is pretty divisive. People either like it or they absolutely hate it. it. Seems like it's pretty can be pretty polarizing. Whereas I think I'm kind of on the fence. I mean, I do like it, so I would sway towards the positive. But I will say, you know, anytime you're watching a film, and basically the premise behind it is for an hour and forty six minutes, two people are arguing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That can be that can be kind of a rough go. Yeah. Um, So I'll say it it manages to hold my attention. But yeah, I mean, if you're not the type of person that enjoys seeing people fight or argue, (laughs) you know, maybe this. Well, it's a tough watch in that situation
1: for sure. Well, that is Malcolm and Marie. Sounds like we're both positive on it. I may be a little more positive than you, but we're both on the definitely on the positive side wanting to recommend this film. Again, uh, written and directed by Sam Levinson. It is available on Netflix exclusively. That's where they ended up premiering the film. It's available now. If you have a Netflix subscription, uh, Chris and I are both recommending the film. as something worth checking out. All right. So let's move on to our second review, Chris, which is a documentary by – he's Ted, right? Alex Winter is Ted.
0: Theodore Logan? So. Yes, I think. That's, no, he's C. Bill. Bill Preston. He's
1: Bill. Bill S. Preston. Preston. Okay. Esquire.
0: Yes. <laughs> uh,
1: that is Mister. If you're not familiar with Bill and Ted, Alex Winter uh, is actually a director and directed documentaries, and he did one about Mister Frank Zappa called Zappa. This is the number we always play when people ask us to play more, because we know that after we play this, they couldn't possibly ever want to hear us again. We were loud, we were coarse, and we were strange.
0: He had so much talent. It everything. You insist on very high and exacting standards. I think if you shoot any lower than that, you're going to wind up with something sleazy. Watch out where the huskies go. Don't you eat that yellow snow.
1: With Zappa, we uh, have a documentary that really takes an in-depth look into the life and work of musician Frank Zappa. Now, Chris... I'll be the first to admit, I'm not a Frank Zappa fan. I could not have told you before this documentary, I don't think any song that I know of his. I know that I've seen him perform. I know that I've heard his music, but nothing ever stuck with me. I've never been a fan of his style. I've never been a fan of his personality. Just me. So I'm going into this documentary with already like... (laughs) pretty low expectations on what I want to learn or see out of this. Sure. You know, I love music documentaries. I really do. I think it's a great art form. I'm always fascinated when people do something different with the music documentary format, but going into this with the subject like Frank Zappa, I just wasn't terribly interested. So uh, I probably went in with the right mindset to say, show me what you got, Alex winter. Tell me if there's anything that can carry forward with this documentary that's going to make it resonate with me or make me appreciate Frank Zappa's life in any way, shape, or form afterwards. So Chris, my question to you is, did this film documentary do anything to further or enhance the music biography documentary format? And did you come out with a better understanding of Mr. Zappa at the end of its two-hour and six-minute
0: running time? Wow. Um, That's, okay. So... I would say those are two different, complicated questions. They are. So I would say let's go to the first one. So the first one did, did it do
1: anything to ex- to further the music documentary format?
0: No. Okay. I would say that that's an easy. Do so you feel case.
1: like it's a pretty standard music documentary? Yes. Okay.
0: Um. And so and that'll feed into the second question. So uh, the film, I felt, you know, often when we talk about biopics, at least we say they, which are you know, narrative forms of a you know, documentary on someone they try to do too much and they do a birth to death type thing. And that becomes so much that you, you know, it's, it's, it's too much. It's better when they focus on a period of someone's life or a specific album they were working on or something like that with Zappa. Yeah. Kind of like you, I maybe had a little bit more familiarity with him. I knew uh, don't eat the yellow snow. (laughs) I knew that, that one song. Um, So I knew a little bit more about him. I remember when he did the whole, um, trying to get stickers, not put on albums for explicit mm. lyrics and stood up to the PMRC. I remember that whole thing. Cause that was a big deal to me at the time. Um, but I feel like it was trying to do so much that there were some things that I really wish I could have learned more about him. For instance, just a simple performance of one song from start to finish. I would have liked to see him performing live because apparently his things were always very chaotic live and he made all these demands. The musicians, we get instances of some performance, but in a two hour and six or nine minute movie or whatever, we never get just one performance of a song. I wish I could have seen like an example, like, okay, here we go. And in a documentary, you know, I was kind of hoping to see that, or at least most of her performance. Mm -hmm. So it was, I did learn some things, um, but ultimately I left, I was left a little frustrated because even though he had access, which is apparently kind of a unique thing, Alex Winter was given unfettered access to all Frank Zappa's archives, which are apparently really extensive. He released a lot of albums, but he has all these albums that were never released There was a lot of footage of different concerts that were shot and movies and stuff like this that were shot that people have never had access to. He had access to everything and apparently spent some time restoring stuff, too. Even, I think, had a Kickstarter campaign Mm -hmm. the director did to help get some of this stuff in, in line so he can make this documentary so I guess for me, this had actually been built up a little bit and pretty hyped. Mm. So ultimately, I'm not saying it's a bad film, but I did come away disappointed. disappointed. Yeah. So
1: well, I'll, I'll take the flip side okay. and say I was actually came away. I I I appreciated it. Okay. Um, I do feel like there was a few touches they made that made it a little better than a standard music musician bio, biography documentary. Okay. The use. <laughs> which I think in the first half of the film, they were definitely used more of this definitely in, in Zappa's earlier phase as just a pure musician, the use of a lot of 1950s uh, TV or film movie clips to kind of accentuate kind of what they were saying was Zappa's influences at the time or his state of mind. I thought it was interesting. Uh, I mean, it definitely harkened back to what we saw of him as a child being kind of shaped by the TV and media of the fifties um, in what in the monster movies, which again, I, hearing him talk about how much he loved giant monster movies, I'm like, well, okay. So it was Frank <laughs> Zappa and I have something in common.
0: There you go. That's great.
1: I thought there was enough creativity with it. Um, I will say I appreciated the latter half of the film more, okay. Which unfortunately was the more standard biography documentary part, but I also think it was more enlightening to me than the first half. The first half was. I don't feel like we really ever understood Frank Zappa in the first half. It was all about the chaos and all about the, the madness or all about the, the you know, curiosity of him. But we always just heard about it from other people and you really didn't see it. Just like you said, you never saw a full performance. Right. So we would hear people talk about how chaotic it was on stage or how demanding it was, but we never saw it Right? because they just didn't show that to us as much. So at least in the latter half, and maybe it was because there was better documentation of it or something as he was going up against the dealing with the record label censorship Mm -hmm. issue, uh, him getting into the more classical environment of his uh, or orchestral uh, side of his music that I felt like was more enlightening to me because I felt like we actually got to hear more about him Mm -hmm. and understood who more, what, who he was than we did in the first half. Um, and am I might incorrect the thing I, I I know it was a, it was a long documentary. There's a lot of stuff they covered. I know his kids were in the documentary from footage, but were they interviewed? I don't remember any of them actually giving interviews <sighs> on the film. I
0: Think so? I know I, de- I know Dweezil and Moon Unit definitely weren't, and then I think Ahmed yeah. I think is his name. I don't know if he was interviewed, but he actually spoke a little bit. Right. So of the people, he actually spoke a little bit more. But I don't know if it was necessarily an interview. I just thought that was
1: surprising for a documentary yeah. that had so much interview footage from wife. Uh, yeah, a lot of interviews past, with wife. Yeah, which, past bandmates. Right. Um, and, you know, other people that were kind of around him in the music business you know, and the kids played a big part in the documentary. I mean, you're about halfway through when he started having kids, you start to see kind of the influence they had and kind of the, the the approach he took as a father, but to never get an interview with one of the kids to actually have them on screen talking about it openly, I thought was interesting for a film that had the, such open access to Zappa's library and world. Um, that felt like a miss to me.
0: I'll say something, um, a positive, Mm -hmm. um, sometimes documentaries definitely can fall into this trap and I don't think this one did Um, it wasn't interested in portraying Frank Zappa as a perfect person Mm -mm. Um, I think you know he would probably be the first to admit I'm not perfect his wife you know says some things about some infidelities possibly and the musicians comment on how he was demanding maybe a bit of a jerk or you know and so I thought that was I could appreciate that about it, that they weren't trying to whitewash his story. Absolutely not. Here's, Mm -hmm. here's this person. Um, I was not aware as much of which they kind of, you know, there's something I learned, something I liked about his classical music side Mm -hmm. and how he did a lot of that. He was really more interested in, I just knew about his rock persona, but Mm -hmm. about, he was really interested in being a composer and the composing nature and using a symphony and all that kind of stuff. I thought that was really fascinating as well as I knew about the PMRC or the record label stuff, was not aware quite as much as how he went to other countries and was like a spokesman for them and how yeah. basically – I can't remember which country it is, but it's a Eastern European country that he went to, but and acted as like a um, – He was an ambassador. He an was ambassador. Like, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, and how some of those countries and some of those people in those countries, they look up to him – like somebody bigger than the Beatles or something, because he was like their mouthpiece and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, wow, right. I definitely didn't have that. Recognition was very in interesting. It well. was that big of a deal. I think so, that's
1: why that last half was a lot more interesting to me because it was more of the aspects where we've stepped beyond just the onstage persona that we've kind of seen clips of or heard about before is actually seeing him delve into these things. And I, and I even loved the moment where he was being interviewed about his role with this other country. And, he just, he, they said, Well, you're you're like an official, you know, are you in a, you're an ambassador? Are you ambassador about music? He's like, No. I'm just <laughs> no. I'm ambassador about trade and other things. He's like, the music industry kind of doesn't really have any need for me anymore. So I'm gonna go do this. I'm mm-hmm. like, I loved learning that side of his personality, the idea of I'm gonna do what I'm interested in doing and right. I'm gonna do what I wanna get into. And hearing the bandmates all talk about so much about he had the chance of having writing hit records and never wanted to, never right. did. And even the one that was a pseudo hit, the Valley Girls song.
0: Right. That he made with his daughter.
1: Yeah. He just, he didn't really seem to care and be interested. He wanted to go completely 180 after he even released that. There's something to be said for that. There's something positive to say. He's a true musician, a true performer that wasn't interested in the sales, wasn't interested in the rankings. Um, wanted to explore what he wanted to explore.
0: Um, and you could tell, I guess or I felt like you could tell from the, um, the documentary, he was somebody that was very smart. Oh, yeah. I feel like you could just tell he was very intelligent, always thinking, always plotting and everything. And something also, the musicians, uh, Stevie Vai was one of the people that was in his band. He had several different musicians come and go, cause mm-hmm. maybe because of personality. But um, Stevie Vai specifically, I remember him being interviewed, and he said, yeah, Frank was very demanding and mm-hmm. was very intense and would just shut you down. He said, however, I, he said, you know, he did back. He said, I will say that I don't think he ever demanded something of me that he didn't think I could do. Like mm-hmm. he may come down to me and be really pushing. Kind of like you hear like the Bobby Knight of music. You know, <laughs> Bobby right. Knight does. But it was like he pushed him because he knew he was capable of of doing better. And apparently he would write all this crazy music notation that was ridiculous and really hard. And the musicians would be like, dude, there's no way I can play that. And he'd be like, Oh yeah. And he would just do all this ridiculous stuff. But it was because he felt he trusted them that they could pull it off. Yeah. So I thought that was
1: interesting. No, I, 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 definitely think it was interesting. I liked hearing from his fellow musicians and, uh, I thought that was great. And I thought the comments from his wife were really insightful and interesting. I just I am surprised that the kids were not kind sure. of factored in there because they did play a key role in the latter half of the film. Um, and I, I did feel like the first half was just a lot more telling, not showing, mm-hmm. which was tough for me. It's, I really wanted, like you said, I wanted to see longer performances. I wanted to see him behaving or uh, acting in the way that he's being described, and we really just didn't see it. We had to take everybody's kind of word for it there. Mm-hmm. So uh, I thought overall it was better than I expected – I did come away with some level of appreciation for Zappa. Um, still don't like him as an individual, at least, you know, kind of how he's, pers- how he was portrayed or kind of the roles he played with a lot of other people. But obviously they made it, he made an impact on them. That um, was very evident by the end of the film when it was discussing his passing. So um, I liked it. I thought it was good. Uh, it, it didn't do a, a whole lot to further the music documentary format, but I thought it was enough interesting uh, moments in the first half to keep it visually interesting. And then content wise in the second half later on in life, I felt like it was where it got me more intrigued in his life. And uh, so overall it was good. I mean, yeah, I'll give it a pass. <laughs> I okay. mean, you know, not a glowing review, but I felt like it was at least if you are a fan of Frank Zappa, I think there will be some things you'll get out of this that are, that are interesting and enlightening. Fair and if you're like me and you didn't really know much about him or care much about him, it, it, it does help to chip away at that for some degree.
0: Sure.
1: Yeah. All right. So that's Zappa. Uh, I think I know there's a lot of virtual cinemas, art house cinemas that are showing it online. I think you can also get it other places online, but I'm not quite sure.
0: Chris. Do you, uh, the Foot Candle. Well, yeah, cinema. that's
1: true. Our, our Foot Candle online cinema, we're currently hosting this film. There you go. Very good call there, Chris. Uh, and other art house cinemas are, are doing their own virtual screenings of it as well. So yeah, if you go to footcandle.org and visit our virtual cinema, you can actually watch this film right now at the convenience of your own home on your tablet, phone, uh, streaming device of your choice. All right, Chris, let's go ahead and take a quick break. And when we come back, we will be coming back with some movie news and also our trailer tapas section where we do a little little taste and morsels from a couple film trailers coming out. And then we'll wrap up the show with our recommendations of the episode. So everybody stay tuned. You're listening to Foot Candle Films. We will be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Jackson Creative, a custom communication agency located in downtown Hickory, North Carolina, specializing in online content creation. To learn more, visit
0: thejacksoncreative.com. Jackson Creative, we tell your story.
1: Welcome back to Foot Candle Films here on TheMesh.TV. Alan Jackson and Chris Fry with you here from the Candle Film Society and the annual Candle Film Festival. Chris, we had reviews of the two movies at the top of the show. We did a review of the documentary Zappa and of the Netflix film Malcolm and Marie. Uh, But let's move on to forward-looking films that haven't come out yet or projects that are underway that we're hearing about in our news section. I believe, Chris, you have a news item you want to share with us today
0: yes and it will fall into the sounds like it could be good category you um, did
1: did a nice crescendo on the on, the, on the voice there
0: it was nice. i was i was practicing at yeah. home before coming in um it could be good be good yeah so Pedro pascal karen gillian maria bakalova uh fred Armisen, david duchovny keeving and michael key leslie van okay Starring no. in a film that... All in one movie. All in one movie. Okay. Yeah. Starring in a film that Judd Apatow is directing. It's a comedy. Okay. Okay. Now, this may be why you would say, oh, don't know about that. It is going to be a pandemic-inspired comedy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Call, okay. Called the bubble, and you're like, okay, Cord- yeah. Now, however, so it's a, you know, all these movie actors are, there's somewhere... It's a pandemic inspired comedy called The Bubble. However, they kind of got their inspiration from the situation of the real life making of Jurassic World Dominion, where there were all these people, all this cast stuck in the UK for months during the pandemic lockdown, with production stopping and restarting several times due to positive COVID-19 tests. So the idea if it was just going to be a lockdown movie, all of us experienced that. I don't think I would enjoy that. However, being like a Hollywood peak. And I think that they've already said that it's not going to be Jurassic world that they'll directly do, but it may be some big, like monster disaster. Maybe okay. something they'll make right. All but right. Like, I think that there can be comedy in that with enough of still treating the fact that they have to start and stop things. I, I, I'm, I think it could be kind of good.
1: All right. Well, if it is comedy and it stays comedy, we're sure. here. So I'm just a little, you know, you said, it was, who, who was the director?
0: Judd Apatow. Judd Apatow. Okay.
1: Little concerned, Judd Apatow, because I mean, King of Staten Island.
0: Oh yeah, you and I were. Talking I about was that
1: a one. little split on that. I mean, I I, I just I, I want him to do true comedy again. Sure. And I felt like you know his last this couple is, films. Is, he's have not been.
0: trying to take a comedian and trying to take a serious look at their life true. story. So well, and if
1: it is a poke at Hollywood and a poke at the situation, and if you can make the whole idea of being in a bubble with other people quarantining funny. Then go for it. I just you know I just don't want a social commentary on the pandemic sure. yet. Sure.
0: Yeah, I need a little bit more distance. Mm-hmm. I agree.
1: That's right. A distance. See what you said there. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Um right. I, I was curious. It could be good. And this definitely's got a good cast for it.
0: And a, this will be. I don't know if it's his first. It may be his first. Film collaboration with Netflix. I think he's done some like series things, maybe with them, where like he was a producer, maybe on some stuff. But yeah, because be King going- of
1: Staten Island did not come to Netflix; right, it was right. a online VOD release.
0: Right. So okay. this will be a, it'll be a collaboration with Netflix anyway. So that'll be interesting.
1: No, no, I'm I'm curious. Just okay. again, I'm very wary of anybody kind of making a film based on this last twelve months we've had to we've we've been going through as a society. Uh, but if you can keep it light, keep it fun, and do it as a commentary on the trials of trying to make a movie in this situation, okay, I'm, I could be down for that. That could be okay. <laughs> okay. But I will tell you one film I am down for. Okay. For sure. Well, no, I take that
0: back. Actually, I'm not
1: <laughs> sure if I'm down on this at all. Um, we talked, I think, last episode about Godzilla versus Kong. Yes um and of course my unbridled enthusiasm for this film yes Uh, i don't care how campy it is i don't care how dumb it is i'm super excited uh director adam wingard uh we commented about how he was better known for horror films which Mm -hmm. i think is good coming into this big monster movie uh he's done your next he did the guest which i really liked from several years ago Mm -hmm. death note never saw but Heard it was actually a decent horror movie for kind of the format it was.
0: I thought it was garbage. Um I did oh, like okay. I did like your next and uh the guest. I did okay. like those two. But yeah, Death Note wow. okay. not so good.
1: I did not see it, so could can't comment either way. But it has been announced what his next project's gonna be after you know Godzilla versus Kong comes out in a few weeks. Um and it's kind of interesting because it's a film I recommended not too long ago. It's gonna be a quote remake which i will clarify in a minute it was reported uh, i think by deadline that he was going to be directing a remake of the film face-off
0: ah. face-off
1: starring Nicolas cage and john travolta john uh, Wu directing john Wu directed the original right. over the top i still love it because it's just campy <laughs> as i'll get out but the concept is super high concept of uh, this idea of uh, a a criminal and a police officer who get their faces swapped. <laughs> so they have to live each other's lives for a period of time. It was a pretty crazy film. Yes. Uh, so it was reported he was going to be doing a remake with a whole new cast. Now, Adam Wingard got onto Twitter and other places pretty quickly to clarify and say, no, it's not going to be a remake. This is actually a sequel. Okay. But they're still saying that it's probably going to involve new cast regardless. So it's
0: Disappointing that it's not going to It is involve. disappointing
1: because, like, come on, John Travolta and, and Nicolas Cage now, how great would that be to see them come back and play this? But um
0: I yeah.
1: He <laughs> has said he's approaching as a sequel to the original hit film as opposed to a remake.
0: Okay.
1: Uh but they you know the speculation is that the leads will still be recast. So I I don't know where this is going to go. How do you do a Face Off sequel all these years later? Um
0: If it hmm. was a Face Off sequel all these years later with the original cast, I'd be all I'd be all for it because I think it would just be kind of like you know Bill and Ted but I mean, Bill they're going to cast the, two the people one. to
1: play the Nicholas Cage and, the, yeah, and recast- the John Travolta characters. Recasting through, I don't it like that.
0: that. No, because that. It, yeah, I just.
1: I or you you do a uh, next generation type of thing, where like it's sons. the kids <laughs> of these two now have to do their face off thing. So
0: it's like a Bill and Ted face the music kind of mash up with face off. Yeah. Okay, you
1: still sure. have uh, John Travolta and Nick Cage playing the older
0: versions of the two main characters, but they're Wait, more small cameos. But Nick Cage died, didn't he, in the original face-off? <sighs> so I don't know how you would bring him back. But, I mean, it's the magic of movies. I'm you can, guessing you can he died. You I
1: think – I'm trying to remember how it ended. I'm pretty sure he died. I think you're right. Yes, he did. Okay. But, again, this is a movie about removing people's faces and putting them on others. Absolutely. I'm sure they could figure out a way to keep him alive somehow. So. Yeah. Yeah, that wouldn't be a problem. All right, right. well, count me, count me, uh, count me in as interested at this point. Um, I need to hear a little bit more about where they're going with the film and what the cast is going to involve. But so far, so good. Let's <laughs> see what happens here. All right, Chris, do you have a, a third item that's going to help gloss up our our show a little bit, elevate the prestige level of our show at all, or are I, you going to go with a oh no big broad movie as I well? I
0: mean hot director right now in Hollywood. Uh, she did the writer. She did nomad land. Chloe Zhao. Okay. Um, she's going to make the eternal. Well, she's made the Eternals whenever that's going to come out. We yes. don't know when that's going to come out, but she made that. Well, her next film is going to be a Dracula film. And you Ooh. may be like, now wait, Ooh. wait. Yeah. So her do directing a Dracula film. Sounds interesting. What's even better. It's going to be in the milieu of a futuristic sci-fi Western
1: well,
0: hold on. <laughs> Alan's Future, mind just exploded.
1: Futuristic sci fi Western Dracula, Dracula movie. Correct. Directed by Chloe Zell.
0: Correct. Which, if okay. you think about it, it kind of makes sense because a lot of her stuff has to do with wide open landscapes and Nomad Land. And yeah. The writer. So it kind of has a Western look to it because of the landscapes and everything that she uses. So, Western, making Dracula a Western, but not only is it going to be a Western, Dracula's a Western would have been interesting enough. Yeah. But it's, now it's gonna a be science Dracula, fiction, is a futuristic, sci-fi, sci-fi western. western. I I can't wait. Wow.
1: <laughs> so I wonder if just you know before the Eternals,
0: mm-hmm.
1: her movies have all been pretty small, grounded, and very small, grounded, very right? small. Yeah, you know, Nomadland, The Rider. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if her experience with the the Eternals open her. Up to some ideas of doing special effects, bigger, yep. bigger spectacle films. I wonder
0: if so, yeah.
1: Uh, or if we're misreading this, is this is still going to be a very grounded, kind of small scale film? It just so happens to be the genre is a very specific one.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know, um, but oh, I, I did
1: not know about this, and I am super excited now.
0: <laughs> wow, <laughs> me, t- me too. I I couldn't be more excited. I think we'll kind of get a sense. Of what this will look like, like you're saying, after we see Eternals, because we'll say, okay, whenever that is, bigger, whenever that is, but bigger budget. You know, let's see what she does with that. And and if you think about it, she's had um, the writer had you know complete non actors, and they were in that. Then she had Francis McDormand for Nomadland. Then Mm -hmm. with the Eternals, she has a huge cast of like you know big people being in that. So it'll be interesting to see what direction she goes with. The Dracula film, she could decide to pass or cast all unknowns again or Mm -hmm. who knows. But I I just think it's a really interesting project that I can't wait to see come out.
1: I had no idea. (laughs) That's great. I love it when you bring news items in that I know nothing about and I'm super excited in a film that you mentioned. And a news item now becomes one of my most eagerly anticipated films for the next couple of years. I don't years. have
0: any kind of release. I don't even think it started filming. Yet. No, it That's sounds like, it like it's just
1: like the pitch has been made and it's, yeah. they're going to start doing it soon. Yeah. So very, very cool. Interesting film projects all the way around a Judd Apatow film. We got a, a sequel to face off. And now we got this crazy Dracula sci-fi Western film by Chloe Zhao. Very, very cool. Very exciting. Um, Chris, let's talk about a couple other films that are on their way in, but these are ones that are really close to release because there are trailers trailer. You typically release, you know, a few months in advance. I've noticed with this whole pandemic situation and everything going online, like for example, with Godzilla versus Kong, the first trailer came out seven or eight weeks before the film's supposed to be released, which Mm. is a pretty short window for it. I think they're playing around with these. How far in advance do we promote these films now? But regardless, we got two films we're going to show trailers for. One of them, um, I don't know the release date offhand, but we'll probably have it by the end of the trailer. Right. I think it comes out in the next couple months, though. Yes,
0: yeah, summer, I think. But- so,
1: And this is the first time we've seen a trailer here in February. So right. again, shortening the window of what we typically expect to see with trailers versus release dates. Um, we have talked about M. Night Shyamalan on this show quite a bit. Yes. I think every film that he's released since we started this show, we have reviewed
0: I believe so.
1: Or at least we've discussed. Discussed. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think the one film we didn't review, but I think was recommended by one of us, the was Visit. The Visit. Mm-hmm. You're right. But we did talk about uh, Split. And Glass. We talked about Glass. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> we have talked about, yeah, we talked about, oh gosh, we talked about Another Earth.
0: Oh, or yeah. After
1: After Earth. Which was it?
0: After Earth. After Earth. Yeah. We talked about that. We reviewed that one. I yeah. think
1: one of our earliest reviews was about the lady in the lady In the, in the water. water. Yeah, maybe. Boy. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> we've had a rich history with <laughs> Mr. Shyamalan. True. So I, I I suffice it to say, you and I are interested in Ab- projects that he releases. Absolutely. Even if they're spectacular failures, we're still very interested to see what he's going to do next. Right. So he does have a film coming out next, uh, very, very soon. I think you said by this summer, that just got its first trailer release. It's a short trailer, so it's really more of a teaser trailer, Okay, only about a minute long. The film is called Old, O-L-D, Old. And that's it. That's basically all we have going into the trailer. So Chris, you have not seen this trailer yet.
0: I have not. I'm looking forward to it.
1: We're going to play the trailer. We will be back in just a moment to discuss it. So here we go.
0: Are we there yet? this beach it's beautiful my swimsuit is hurting they do look small let's play hide and seek
1: have you seen my children? mom I'm right here he was
0: six years old this morning oh no mom I'm scared there's something wrong with this beach we were chosen for a reason what's happening? I don't know I can't think
1: old only in theaters this summer
0: are we there yet?
1: This beach, it's beautiful.
0: My swimsuit is hurting. They do look small. Come on, let's play hide and seek.
1: Have you seen my children? Mom, I'm right here. He was six years old this morning. Oh, no. Mom, I'm scared. There's something wrong with this beach. We
0: were chosen for a reason. What's
1: happening?
0: I don't know. I can't
1: think. Old, only in theaters this summer. Mm. Okay, so that was the trailer for Old, as it mentioned only in theaters this summer.
0: So that, that is interesting. So yes. they're making the bet. I mean, I know HBO movies are going to be dual, both online and same day in theaters. But, yeah, only in theaters.
1: Now, what they don't say is whether or not. When the date is. When, well, they don't say that, and they don't say whether it's going to be in theaters for, like, a few weeks, and then they'll go to online or what. So, right. But, anyway, regardless of this distribution schedule, Chris, you have seen now the teaser trailer for Old. Initial reaction?
0: I'm, I'm interested. Just I, I Gail Garcia Bernal, uh, who seems to play the male lead in it. I've always liked him. Um, I'm blanking on the guy's name, but he was in Hereditary. He's also in this. Mm-hmm. Um, so, those are two actors that I think are both really good. Um, the only thing, and I, and, but the trailer has me interested. The only thing I'm slightly concerned about is it seems like it's going to be one oh, instance where I kind of feel like I've already guessed what the thing is. I mean, you know, the, the title of the movie is old. You see people losing track of time, and suddenly they're a lot older so it seems on the outset, like kind of a one trick pony type thing. So I don't know if I can keep my attention for a full 90 minutes or whatever, but in night Shyamalan also does a lot of, uh, you know, smoke and mirrors, misleading people. So I don't know. I'm interested. I'm curious. Um, I'm looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, I am. I'm interested. In, and i tell you the main reason I think I'm interested in a, it's Shyamalan, which I'm just, is just a curiosity for me in general, as I mentioned, I think this is probably the best cast I've seen him put together for a film. Hmm. Okay. okay. Who else? You is mentioned. In it? So Rufus Sewell is in it. Okay. Um, uh, M. Beth Davids, who I, I'm blanking on what I've seen her in, but I know she's been some other things as good. Gail Garcia Bernal, you already mentioned. Vicki Kreps from oh. Phantom Thread is the, uh, we He's saw the her wife. early in okay. the trailer there as well. Got you. Thomas and McKenzie from JoJo Rabbit.
0: Oh, wow. Is
1: also in it okay. too. Okay. So, yeah, and then Alex Wolfe is the one you're thinking about from Hereditary. Got
0: you. Okay.
1: I I mean, he's got some good, good actors in there right now. So that, with the fact that I love the fact that we're just now hearing about this film, like just two or three months before it comes out, I think is a good move. Instead of it being something a year in advance, you start teasing. Um, And, you know, could it all be like almost like a, a bottle movie where everything kind of takes place on this one beach setting? That could be kind of interesting too. I don't know. I'm, I'm curious. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm,
0: I'm looking forward to it. I'm interested to see it. So.
1: Okay. So that is old coming out quote this summer is all we're being <laughs> told. That's kind of a wide range. I think that's technically from like May through September, sure. something like that. I think you technically could say summer or fall. So um, here's another film, Chris, that I think is coming out a little sooner than that. Okay. And it is coming out on Amazon prime. So it's going to be an Amazon prime movie. Um, I have discussed in the past my love for Eddie Murphy, classic Eddie Murphy, yes. and my desire to see Eddie Murphy come back. Yes. And he, I thought he came back in uh, uh, Dolomite Is My Name. Yeah. I felt like that was like a return to form, Eddie Murphy getting to act and be funny and have a great time on screen. Sure. So, will this continue in the tradition? Coming to America, there made a sequel to it. I mean, gosh, it's been 30 years, right? has Uh, to have been.
0: I think something like that. It was like late
1: 80s for Coming to America, maybe right close to 1990. Okay. Uh, So it's got to be 30 years. Okay. But we now have a sequel, Coming to America, with the two being the number two, because that's the way you do it these days. There you go. You have not seen the trailer for this film either. I have not. All right. Well, let's see. Can Eddie Murphy bring back a classic comedy 30 years later for streaming audiences? Let's watch the trailer and find out.
0: Heed my words before I'm gone, my son. Now, you will be king. Oh. But the throne has passed to a male heir, Hakeem. It appears you have a son who must be found. Prepare the royal chamber. We are going back to America. Oh, hell no, Your Majesty. Come on! I'm back! Say it again!
1: It's so good to see you.
0: Well, Abby, damn, look who done come up in here. Hey,
1: escuta, chinta, and the boa. The
0: famine is blood diamonds. Nelson Mandela and Winnie. Those hungry babies with the flies on the back. Hey, oh, 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 that's too much. Oh. Now, you stepped over the line. Now, we wouldn't be talking that kind of shit about the hungry babies. You're going to get out of my chair. Politically incorrect. So what you doing back here, hotel Rwanda? <laughs> <laughs> I'm bad.
1: Directed by Craig Brewer, which, they go ahead and mention a couple things on that first uh, before you, I got a feeling probably ripped this trailer apart. Um, <laughs> Craig Brewer, who came to fame with Hustle and Flow, mm-hmm. very good movie, mm-hmm. directed a film I really loved uh, a couple years later called uh, Black Snake Moan.
0: I liked it better than Hustle and Flow.
1: I think it's a great movie. It's one of my top 30, 40 films.
0: Okay.
1: Then he kind of trailed off a little bit he did a footloose remake which i heard, I, I saw parts of and did not care I for he never saw it since then he's done comedies he actually did dolomite is my name okay which i did like so coming to america craig brewer eddie murphy arsenio hall with a whole cast of other supporting characters thoughts on the trailer
0: uh hate the trailer okay um I'm, I was looking forward to this movie, but I think this trailer is not for me. It is for people that all they want is a greatest hits of the original movie. Kind of like when they did an Austin Powers movie and they followed up with sequels. All they would show you is him making the same jokes that he made in the first movie. Because they are like, okay, they really like that in the first movie. Let's be sure we've referenced that in the trailers. So that worries me and makes me think I'm going to absolutely hate this movie. Um... But I, I, like you, want to see Eddie Murphy succeed. I, what makes me also interested, and I was afraid they weren't going to show it at all, was Craig Brewer. But they did show you a director by Craig Brewer kind of towards the end. I know he's capable of doing something good. If it was just like some director I'd never heard of, then I'd panic. <laughs> um So yeah, the trailer doesn't get me excited. Well, I'm going
1: to do something that's unprecedented right now in the history of Candle Films podcast.
0: You're going to show me the entire film right now. Yes,
1: I have it right here. Awesome. No. um, (laughs) So um, we're going to play a second trailer. Oh, because that first trailer out, I just showed was actually the original kind of more teaser trailer. Okay, it is not the trailer that I'd actually intended to show you, which is one that just came out a couple of days ago, which is a more official trailer. Okay, so we're doing two for the price of one right wow. here in Kendall Films. I want to see does your impression of the film change watching this next trailer instead. Okay, so okay. here we go. Second trailer for Coming to America.
0: You must heed my words. Before I'm gone, my son. Now, you will be king. But the throne must pass to a male heir. Hakeem, it appears you have a son He must be found. Prepare the royal jet. We are going back to America. Oh, hell no, Your Majesty. Come on!
1: I'm back! Say it again! Feel right in this mother... Right.
0: Feel good in this mother... Right. My whole hood in this mother... Ah, come, ah, on. Ah, come on! Ah, come on! Get uh. 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 down! Like I'm the king of this shop! That's in hell. Well, well. Say it again! It's so good to see you. Well, Abby, damn, look who done come up in here. Hey, it's Kuta Kinte and Ebola. Famine and Blood Diamond. Nelson Mandeli and Winnie. Those
1: hungry babies with the flies on the face.
0: Hey, oh, 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 that's too much. Now, you stepped over the line. Now, we will not be talking that kind of shit about the hungry babies. You're going to have to get out of my chair. Politically incorrect. So what you doing back here, (laughs) Hotel (laughs) Rwanda? I'm back. Say it again. I feel right. I feel
1: good. Right. So Chris, this unprecedented move of yes. me showing you a second version of a trailer for the same movie. Any better?
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, now disadvantage of second trailer is now. I feel like I've seen probably everything I would have laughed at.
1: <laughs> it's true. I mean, that is like you have seen now like the a good seven movie. minutes of the entire movie.
0: <laughs> right. um, the first movie was so derivative that i would kind of tuned out. You know, the, the second thing was all, you know, seemingly original thing. It seems to reveal some... Plot points right. that I wasn't. We aware. learned that so there's a have, story involved. It may know. have spoiled mm-hmm. some stuff, but it does make me feel better about the actual movie. I so. spoiled
1: some things for Coming to America for
0: you. I know, I'm sorry, Chris. I, um, I, I shouldn't yeah. have done that. So, uh, you know, it, it happens. The trailers often spoil stuff. So, I, I don't know. It, it does make me feel. It does make me feel better about the movie. Though.
1: I'll admit, and neither trailers given me tons of confidence. I, I just. I'll be honest too. I wasn't the biggest fan of the original. So it was not one of my favorite Eddie Murphy comedy movies. So okay. when I heard they're making a sequel, it's like, yeah, okay. I yeah. guess that's fine.
0: You were I really mean. rooting for golden child too. <laughs> oh, the golden child.
1: We need to have a long discussion about the golden child to some point in a future episode. I'm going to figure <laughs> out a way to make it a recommendation so I can just talk oh, about wow. it for a while. Yeah. Okay. Got a lot of theories and thoughts on that film. <laughs> um, so we'll see. I, I'm curious. I mean, again, like you said, Craig Brewer has been, uh, I mean, I guess on the comedy side, he's done serviceable comedies. To me, Dolomite was my name. is a, a good movie, but it's mainly good because I really liked Eddie Murphy in it. Sure. I liked Wesley Snipes in it, which Wesley Snipes is in this film as well. Looks like he gets to have some fun, much like he did in Dolomite. So mm-hmm. we will see. Very curious. So interesting films to keep an eye out for. Oh, absolutely. Um, old, going only to the theaters, as far as we know, and then Coming to America is only on Amazon Prime. So... Got some options there. And that is our news and trailer tapas section for today, Chris. Now, you know what it's time for. Yes. We get to our recommendations. Yes. This is where Chris and I both share a film that we either recently caught back up with or saw for the first time. And we feel like it's worthy of a recommendation to you, the audience listener. And it needs to be a film that you can find online. So it's not when you got to go hunt through, you know, uh, old DVD libraries or anything like that to try to get. So, Chris, I'm going to turn it over to you first. What is the film recommendation you'd like to make for us this episode?
0: So I heard about this film because I saw a bunch of people online talking about it. And it was interesting when they would talk about it. All they would say is it was very limited talk. They just said, in and of itself, go watch it. It's on Hulu. And I was like, "Uh, okay. But enough people kept saying that that I was like, all right, I'm going to go watch this thing. I have no idea what it is. I will say it's a documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, it is taken from a, sta- a Broadway stage performance of a guy named Derek Galdio And that is pretty much all I'm going to say about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it is worthwhile. Um, I will say, even though it's very different from Hamilton, I, you know, Hamilton was one of those things that I was like, I don't know how much I'm going to care about it when I see a recorded performance of it. Because I've already told you it was on Broadway and they recorded this. And I still enjoyed Hamilton when I saw it. Um, this, I was just, I was a little, you know, once I started watching, I was like, oh, it's a play. Or it's, you know, kind of a Broadway thing. I don't know how well that's going to translate. It, it does. Um, it's worth it. I recommend it. it is exclusively, at least right now, on Hulu. But it's uh, Derek DelGaudio's In and of Itself. But if you just search In and of Itself, it'll come up. So uh, that is my recommendation. I have seen it. Ah! I've seen it twice. Wow. There's yes. a recommendation right there. You know, mm-hmm. watched it once. He wa- was once by yourself and then once second time with like the family or your yes. wife. Yeah. That's I haven't it. made, I have not watched it again, but I plan to do so with my wife cause I want her to see it, but I don't want her to know anything about it. Right. Just well, it's the same theater. way I
1: took it with my family Is I watched it one night and the next night I said,
0: Hey everybody, hey, come everybody. into the theater
1: room. <laughs> I want to show you something. No question. It.
0: I'm just curious uh, without spoiling anything. Cause we don't want to mm-hmm. do that. Cause I think that's part of it. How did, it, was it, also social media you saw people talking about this and you're like what is this and yeah
1: actually i heard about it um there's a podcast i'll listen to a political podcast of all things which oh, well. doesn't make any sense but they were talking about it kind of in their recommendations and yes that got me i had saw some other online buzz about it okay. but hearing this one podcaster talk about it i'm like okay i definitely need to check this out now okay uh john dickerson actually was uh he host he used to host the uh Face the Nation, I believe. He's a 60 Minutes reporter. He does a political podcast. He mentioned it. And I'm like, okay, I, I trust his opinion. I'm going to go watch it. And I was not disappointed. Cool. Uh, I did not know what I was getting into. And I, that was part of the fun of it. Uh, there's still lots of it I want to talk about. So uh, <laughs> maybe when we're done hitting the record button on the official episode, maybe we stick around and chat just for a few minutes about it. If sure. anybody who's also watched it and would like to hear some thoughts on it.
0: Because I'm... So we'll do a spoiler.
1: Yeah, basically, okay. I think we. I think of all things, that one certainly lends itself to it. Absolutely. So, I I echo your recommendation. Okay. Wholeheartedly, and in, in and of itself. Yes. Okay. So my recommendation, Chris. I know it's a film you've seen, and I think I'm going to come out of this with a higher opinion of it than you did.
0: Okay.
1: Based on your letterbox rating. Ah. That's all I'm basing it on. Okay. Um. We are getting close to the time where we're going to start to hear. What films are going to be nominated for Best Picture of the Year and other Academy Awards? Yes. I'm going to go ahead and place my bets that this will be at least nominated. And I think the director will also be nominated. Okay. I'm here to say I think it's warranted. Uh, I think I would probably give it the same acclaim that, that the Academy is probably going to give it. Uh, it is the film One Night in Miami. Um, I did end up catching up this this is directed by the actress uh, Regina King but first time directing a movie Uh, it is telling the story of one night in Miami as the name would uh, tell you but it's a meeting or a get-together between Malcolm X Cassius Clay otherwise known as Muhammad Ali Jim Brown NFL star and Sam Cooke the singer Uh, the four of them knew each other the four of them had a friendship the four of them got together after one of uh Clay's fights that evening. And through the course of the evening, they explore their relationships. They explore the changing relationships that's happening. Malcolm X is becoming more, uh, more aggressive in his demeanor. Cassius Clay is trying to decide his role in stardom and his, uh, his uh, alliance with the the, uh, church of Islam, I believe. Um. Sam Cooke is kind of catering to a very uh, mainstream white audience with his music, and that's coming under fire by some of his colleagues. And Jim Brown is dealing with his own issues of, you know, racism of the people around him and prejudice. All four of them coming together, bringing their own uh, uh, perspectives on things together, and we follow them throughout the evening as their conversations and their experiences evolve. Uh, I've got, you know, I I wish some things... The film did some things differently. I felt like uh, it didn't commit enough to this idea of, is it going to be the four of them in a hotel room for the running time of the film (coughs) talking, or is it going to be a lot more of them interacting and interacting with other people? And it kind of split the difference and tried to mix it up. I wish they kind of picked one side, one, one approach or another, and there were some really great moments that are really standout moments for me in the film. Probably not enough of them to maybe resonate enough with people watching the film. But if anything else, I think the performances in this film are extraordinary. I loved watching all four of the lead performances. Three of them were actors I was not familiar with at all. Mm. Um, Kingsley Ben-Adir as Malcolm X. Eli uh, Gorey as Cassius Clay or Muhammad Ali. And then Adis Hodge as Jim Brown. The only one I knew was Leslie Odom Jr. From as Hamilton. Sam Cooke from Hamilton and uh, nationwide commercial. I think he does it. he sing the jingle for that. <laughs> I think there is one um, where he does it, Yeah. And uh, so I knew of him, but the other three, I was I was very uh, were very new actors for me. So all four of them were great. Uh, I think they all performed extremely well. I like the concept, the fact that these four in real life knew each other, were friends, they influenced each other's careers to some degree, and we got to see their careers at this very pivotal point. Um, The structure of the film I felt like was a little shaggy, and I just wish they'd kind of tidied up some things a bit. But overall, I'm still going to give it a recommendation. And I do think it's one of those films that's probably going to get nominated for Best Picture because the performances, because the subject matter, because uh, just being a really interesting story in in general, um, I do think it's going to get a lot of acclaim. So I did really like it. Chris, you and I haven't talked about the film as much, but I know you were kind of middling with your review online. I think you enjoyed it, but it wasn't like a standout for you or anything.
0: Right, and I think it may suffer from a little bit of I squeezed it in at year end to try to come Mm. up with my top five and to try to do like the critics' nominations for a North Carolina Film Critics Association that you and I are part of. Um, so it may have suffered a little bit from that. So I didn't give it the full attention that maybe it deserved outside of award season. Um, but yeah, it's, it's good. Um, I'd probably need to watch it again to see if it could like rise a little bit in my estimation, but definitely, you know, Mm I say it is a good film. I, I,
1: yeah, I just, I did enjoy it. It, um, again, performances mean so much. And I mean, and I think all four of them did a good job of not just simply mimicking the person they were being, but truly gave them something, some real some real personality you sure. know, on screen, and I want to call it especially uh, Eli Gorey, who played Cassius Clay. I think he just had it down. I mean, mm-hmm. in, in for most of the film, Cassius Clay, Muhammad Ali is all bluster, is all uh, machismo, all talking about himself. But yet during the course of the film, you really start to see that there's a lot more under the surface there than what you typically see out on the outside, and especially his his dynamic with Malcolm X was very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. This is the kind of film that did cause me to go back and want to read up more about the four of them and their relationship with one another. Sure. So that's normally a good sign of a film if it gets you to want to explore and read a little
0: more about the, the story it's telling. I think I'll say, too, you know, as far as a positive thing, which I could have used more of, and I guess that's why I wasn't as high on it as maybe you are, um, but there's a performance scene of Sam Cooke that is being appreciated by Malcolm X, um, and there's some things that go on with that. And that was really a standout scene. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I I needed a couple more of those maybe to make it rise up. I'm with you on that. That that was a really good scene.
1: I felt like, again, if, if, if it was going to be an approach of let's, let's truly spend the hour and a half hour 45 with them in this hotel room Mm and kind of like a Malcolm and Marie thing where it's like, look one setting, let's just have them talking and having dynamic. That's one type of movie. And I would have been totally on board with that. But the, the hotel room interaction, the four of them together, was maybe a little less about half the film. The rest of it was either things outside of the room, the t- splintering off in different groups, uh, some flashback sequences. And I just felt like it it needed to kind of pick a format to work uh, a little better, and maybe more of those standout scenes would have helped helped with that. So, um, but overall, still, I thought it was a great. Great film. Uh, great first directorial effort by Regina sure. King as well. So I definitely think I my prediction is this will get nominated for Best Picture. She will get nominated for Best Director for this. Okay. That is my prediction right now. And at least one of them will get some supporting actor nomination. I don't know who. Um, all four of them are probably going to be eligible for Best Supporting Actor. I don't think any of those roles would necessarily go in the running for best actor. Right. um, Because they're just so evenly evenly split split out between all four of them. Um, But we are getting close that time. And I do think Mm -hmm. this is, this is going to make the cut. So. All right, Chris, man, we covered a lot of stuff in this show. We did. We had a review of Zappa, the documentary. We had a review of the Netflix film Malcolm and Marie. We talked about some news items, Judd Apatow film. We talked about, Uh, a a sequel to face off, which I still can't believe those words are coming out of my mouth. Uh, We also talked about a film that you described as a vampire sci-fi Western film by Chloe Zhao. We shared some trailers of the newest M night Shyamalan film old, and also a trailer clip from uh, coming to America too. actually two trailers for coming to America too. And then our recommendations uh, in and of itself on Hulu and my recommendation of One Night in Miami, which I didn't mention, but is an Amazon Prime movie as well. Whew, a lot going on. So who says uh, in a pandemic, there's nothing happening movie wise, we get a lot to cover here. Sure. Chris, if anybody has any questions, some feedback, thoughts, opinions on anything we shared in the show, how can they go about getting a hold of us?
0: You can send an email to info at footcandle.org. Uh, we are also on Twitter at footcandlefilm. And actually, we received some feedback. Uh, listener, <clears throat> excuse me noticed that uh, we had misrepresented the film by Jim Cummings as one of our favorite films of last year. We called it Wolf of Snow Creek. Sorry, sorry, Jim Cummings. It is Wolf of Snow Hollow. So we apologize. Snow Hollow. Why did I say <laughs> Snow Creek? I don't know. And I didn't, I didn't catch you on it either. Cause it just I like right Snow Creek me. better. <laughs>
1: But that's fine. It's Jim's films, not ours.
0: Sorry, Jim. So, uh, yes, you can send corrections or notes on the show. Also, you can just message us at Foot Candle Film. Uh, We're also on Letterboxd, where you can track what we're seeing or leave comments on reviews that we put on there. Are you a filmmaker? If so, you might consider submitting a film for our 2021 festival, which will be September 22nd through the 26th. Uh, you can do that by going to our website, footcandle.org, or go to uh, Film Freeway. We can look up our festival there, the Footcandle Film Festival. Last but not least, uh, like the show? Great. Give us a star rating or write a review. Share with your friends and iTunes. It helps us reach new listeners. Also, um, we're on iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, and Pocketcast.
1: Among others, I believe. Among others. Right? But yeah, that's the ones that kind of roll <laughs> off right away. There you go. All right, great. Well again, check out our uh past episodes on the mesh TV website and then you can also any of those podcatchers that Chris mentioned. Go back and listen to old episodes if there's any films that you're catching up with now and you want to hear our take on it. uh, We'd love to have you join us for any past episodes and definitely subscribe to the show, as Chris mentioned as well, to make sure you get new episodes going forward. And uh, our film society, the Foot Candle Film Society, we do have an online virtual cinema available at footcandle.org. Definitely go check that out as well and see all the films we have available for rent or watching uh, from home, streaming off our cinema. I think last I checked, we have seven films currently on the virtual cinema, which is pretty cool. Getting ready to add an eighth one here in the next couple days. So uh, some great stuff. Definitely come check us out and join us there. We'd love to hear your input and your feedback to the show or any of the films that we're showing right now. All right, Chris, we're going to go ahead and sign off for foot candle films and the foot candle film society. This is Alan Jackson and Chris Fry signing off. Thanks everybody. Take care. We'll talk to you soon. See you in a socially distanced
0: ticket line.
1: If you have seen the film or the you know, the documentary... If you
0: haven't, please don't listen to this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't. We don't want, we don't want no, to spoil no. it for this you. This is
1: truly for you if you have seen In and of Itself right. on Hulu, which again, I've seen twice. Okay. Chris will probably be watching a second time before too long. I,
0: I, I think Valentine's Day might be kind of... It's <laughs> a perfect... I mean, it's, it's a weird... Vibe, but it might be good. Um,
1: yeah. Going into it, man, I was... Did not know what to expect. I knew it was a stage performance. Okay. See, I, I didn't knew even, that much, I
0: didn't even know that.
1: But I didn't know what it was. Didn't okay. know magic. Didn't know... See, personal tellings of stories. I didn't know all I the, had
0: heard magic. So yeah. that actually unfairly set my expectations. And at first I was like, "Um, just a dude talking. Where's my... Yeah, because like so the I first 15,
1: 20 minutes, there's no magic. Talk, talk, it's
0: talk. just uh, like a... like a
1: personal memoir type of right, story. which
0: I was cool with. And ultimately, obviously, I'm really high on it. But I was like, where's, where's the magic, yo? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah.
1: I uh, For me, the first half of it was... Good, Mm. I liked, but there's two two different scenes later in the film that just got me. Oh, let me know, God, because we can't
0: spoil anything because this is spoilers anyway. So let me know, let me know what they are.
1: Um, so the the reading of the book.
0: Oh, yes, uh, with the people coming up on stage. Well,
1: I'm sorry, not the reading of the book, the reading of the letters.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The letters, 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 yeah, yeah. letters. Right.
1: The letters where people were reading letters that miraculously and magically—I still don't quite know how they pulled it off—letters that they were then given, drew from a pile, and happened to be a letter from a loved one to them, and mm-hmm. they're reading, and it's very, very emotional letters. And yes. man, that was that was good. Yeah. Yep. I thought that was going to be kind of the the pinnacle of the film, and right. then. The last bit, where basically everybody coming into the theater had chosen a kind of a label for themselves on a card. Some were doing it realistically, honestly, some were doing it as kind of joking. He had the ones who said they chose one realistically or honestly to stand, and he went and told them what their card was, even though the cards had been stacked somehow unceremoniously somewhere off stage. He was still naming them. And basically that is that these are this is what people thought of themselves or maybe hoped people saw of them. Mm -hmm. And the whole idea being, how do we view and judge people? And it's not always fair to just judge them with a one word label based on what we see on the outside. Yeah, both those two sequences were just powerful as I'll get out. And uh, man, so yeah. It got, it got dusty in the, uh, dusty in the home theater room a couple of times. Awesome. So I love the fact that it was a personal telling of his own stories all along this theme of identity and labels and how do we, how do we see people Mm -hmm. on those? How do we see ourselves? How do we see see ourselves? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So it was great. I
1: just loved it. It was good.
0: Well, and kind of, it didn't really probably make a lot of sense when, um, I was comparing it to Hamilton before, but let me, I can go a little bit more into it now. So, um, Hamilton, you know, I got to see it live and then watching a performance. I was like, yeah, I don't know if I'll care about that, but I still felt like they captured as much as they could. And I still felt like it was good. Once I started watching this, I saw how it had those little, the things that I am. And actually I flashed back to, it it was like, oh, I do remember when this was on Broadway. I remember people saying that they had gone to see this performance and it was really good. I'm just like, yeah, but there's going to be no way they're going to be able to capture that on film. It's just not going to... And no. I mean, and just like the... It made me regret that I never saw this live because although this was good, I bet in person it would be like one of the most amazing experiences I'd ever had. Just like if I got to see Hamilton during the original run with that cast, it would have like just bowled me. Well, the fact that
1: I loved audience interaction throughout the whole thing. And again, like you said, the audience was a part of the performance.
0: Absolutely. And I
1: think just about everybody had the opportunity to be involved in the performance in some degree,
0: definitely by the end. Um, Which- the fact that there were some people in the audience, I think, um, Kamal Bell, who's like a guy, mm-hmm. I think he's in the audience, not mentioned, not called out, just kind of shown, um, Bill, Bill Gates. Gates, which that it was amazing to me that it's like, they don't say anything about it. It's just kind of like, Oh, and he gives him his title and keeps on going. And I was like, that is awesome. Yeah. It's just like, it didn't need to put, no put up different. like a title. It nope, didn't need nope, to like spend any like time if you on know it. It's great. You know. if you, I mean, With him, there's no way. I don't think you could not know who it is, Mm -hmm. but that was just awesome that it was just like, do, 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 you know, like just going on. Now, I I, I
1: understand that this was filmed over many, many performances. Performances, And so I'm sure there was editing to get the best, most emotional moments. Sure. Cross them. Sure. That's fine. I mean, I I understand that probably to get the full impact of what we saw in the documentary, you'd have to go to multiple shows and kind of get that full experience. But otherwise, I still, I loved it. It was a surprise. It was not what I expected. Didn't know what I was expecting, but it was not this. <laughs> sure. And uh, and I also do love magic, and there was some really pretty impressive magic throughout
0: yeah. as well. So um, I think it would be a misnomer – yeah, If you went into it like, oh, this is going to be a magic show and then you would want more, which unfortunately that was the one itty bitty thing I did know was like, oh, this guy does magic. And so I was like, well, yeah, if you're expecting
1: there. a magic show, you're going to be disappointed. Right. But go in expecting an experience. An experience. Is really what it is that just happens to involve some magic along the way.
0: And kind of like with Hamilton. Mm-hmm. After that, I was like, dude, I feel sorry for Lin-Manuel Miranda because is he ever – gonna be able to try to come even close to doing Hamilton again or is he basically now granted, it was awesome enough and I think he has done good work since but still it's like yeah. everybody's always gonna know you as the Hamilton dude this Derek Dalgadio never heard of him before he's apparently done some other things but now that he's done this I'm like dude I don't know like how can you pull off another one of these and maybe yeah. he won't try but it's like wow. well what do they say <laughs> he
1: ran this show for like 550 550- performances something so, like that yeah yeah so he had a nice long run I don't think he's doing it anymore I don't either so yeah. I think that's kind of the idea is they can finally release the film because you know he's not performing it anymore sure. if they had released it during the performance that would, have been, that would have you know ruined it for anybody else going in afterwards so yeah um, No, I was really surprised really impressed really happy with it and uh yeah yeah I thought it was that was great okay. definitely worth checking out good I just had to talk about it a little bit for a few minutes here anyway. (laughs) All right, now we're officially done. Thank you. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.